Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. Extensions flare up ahead of the much-awaited U.S.-China trade talks. Beijing isn't too optimistic. Both countries would immediately resolve their conflict. But as Ron Cruz tells us, China is not closing any doors to forging even a partial deal with the U.S. as long as no additional tariffs are imposed. A breakthrough in the U.S.-China trade talks is still possible, despite Washington's recent blacklisting of Chinese technology firms. That's at least according to Beijing, with reports saying China is open to agreeing to a partial trade agreement with the U.S. Beijing's softened stance on trade talks is in contrast with how it reacted to Washington's recent move to add 28 more Chinese companies in a trade blacklist. China's foreign ministry spokesperson told the U.S. it was sticking its nose where it doesn't belong. We urge the U.S. to immediately correct its mistakes, withdraw the relevant decisions, and stop interfering with China's internal affairs. China will take firm and strong actions to firmly protect its interests of sovereignty, security, and development. But that reaction was issued before Washington went a step further. The U.S. State Department announced it will restrict travel visas for Chinese government and Communist Party officials believed responsible for detention and abuse of Muslim minorities. Now, tensions are feared to escalate even more, with China reportedly planning to also impose tighter visa restrictions for Americans with ties to anti-China groups. As the trade war drags on, International Monetary Fund Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva warns the global economy is in a synchronized slowdown. Georgieva says these trade disputes could bring global growth this year to its lowest rate since the beginning of the decade. It could also reduce global output by $700 billion by 2020. That's a cut of about 0.8 percent. Global trade growth has come to almost standstill, in part because of trade tensions, worldwide manufacturing activity and investment have weakened substantially. There is a serious risk that services and consumption could also soon be affected. Not only does the trade war affect global economy, it's also taking a toll on global crude prices. I think currently the market sentiment is firmly focused on what's happening uh, between the U.S., China, as well as the broader global slowdown. The market sentiment towards Brent is quite bearish at the moment. Trade talks between the U.S. and China are set to begin on October 10th in Washington. Ron Cruz, ABS-CBN News. The U.S. gets a downgrade in the latest global competitiveness index, with Singapore now taking the top spot. As Dina Ponti Odig tells us, the Philippines also fell in its annual ranking. Singapore, now the most competitive nation in the world. The city-state has overtaken the United States in the World Economic Forum's 2019 Global Competitiveness Report, which measures the strength of over 100 key indicators, such as inflation, digital skills, and trade tariffs across 141 countries. From being last year's number one, the report says America is losing ground in measures such as health 
and preparedness for the future skills needed in the 21st century. Singapore's state-of-the-art infrastructure and strong cooperation between labor force and management, meanwhile, catapulted it to the top. Hong Kong, the Netherlands and Switzerland rounded out the top five in the rankings. Authors of the report say that while it's too early to fully assess the impact of the rising trade tensions between the U.S. and China, which has led to tariffs on hundreds of billions of dollars worth of goods, restrictive trade measures appear to be linked to a downturn in business sentiment that could bode badly for the global economy. What we are seeing is a downturn in the business sentiment around trade, and that matters because perceptions and expectations are what ends up driving long-term investment decisions. So maybe we're not seeing the results today, but we're seeing the change in sentiment, which will impact investment and productivity in the future. They did, however, find signs the protracted trade dispute is benefiting some economies as businesses look for alternatives to China. Vietnam used to be at 77 last year. This year it's at 67. That uh, 10 rank increase is in part because the economy has uh, been able to use the current situation in terms of the trade war to attract some of the investments to be able to become a little bit more of a regional trading hub. Although the same could not be said for another ASEAN country hoping to benefit from the trade war, the Philippines. That's as it dropped to the 64th spot in the list from last year's 56th place. Manila suffered the biggest drop in both rank and score in information technology adoption and macroeconomic stability. Socioeconomic Planning Secretary Ernesto Perna says he's disappointed over the slip in the Philippines ranking. But he points out the report likely did not yet reflect gains from the implementation of the ease of doing business law. He also expects the national ID system and planned amendments to the Foreign Investment, Public Service and Retail Trade Acts to greatly improve the country's position. The semiconductor and electronics industries in the Philippines meanwhile agrees with the assessment, noting that Manila's internet speed is one of the slowest in Asia. And despite the Duterte administration's Build, Build, Build program, SAPI President Dan Lachica says infrastructure remains deficient. Dino Ponte-Rig, ABS-CBN News. Philippine shares joined the regional downtrend as renewed tensions cast a cloud over the upcoming U.S.-China trade talks. But as Michelle Long tells us, Manny Villar's All Home can still stage a strong debut on Thursday, despite the local market's sour mood. Wednesday's trade was marked by a technical glitch that pushed back the start of trade by 15 minutes and another slump. Philippine shares dipped alongside most global markets amid uncertainties over the high-level U.S.-China trade talks happening later this week. Recent developments from new companies placed on the blacklist, visa restrictions are dimming hopes the world's two biggest economies could reach some kind of a deal. The PSE index tumbling 1% to fall back to the 7,600 level. I don't think the sentiment uh, or conviction will be very strong because I think there are bigger issues in play. As much as, for example, the foreign investors think that some of these blue chips are uh, attractive, uh, they're, they're dealing with uh, bigger issues, including uh, concerns about uh, fund allocation in emerging markets, global growth concerns. Axelum shares falling on its third trading day. Tomorrow, Mani Villar's All Home tests the market at its IPO. Axelum is a good company, without a doubt. The only problem was really that it's the timing of the IPO. Axelum was priced at a premium given the whole market is trading at discounts. With that said, 
I think all home has a fighting chance. You know, it if it achieves the bottom line figures, it's still trading at the discount compared to peers. In corporate stories, the Rustance Group is taking over the Crystal Jade restaurant brand here in the Philippines. The first international format, Crystal Jade Hong Kong Kitchen, will open in the first quarter of next year. The store will be located in Central Square in BGC, the location of another SSI-managed brand, Shake Shack. The SSI Group has signed a territory agreement with the Crystal Jade Management Group to own and operate the brand in the country. The Singapore-based Michelin one-star brand has four international formats across 100 outlets in 30 major cities across Asia-Pacific. The price tag for the deal was not indicated. And the antitrust watchdog approves the turnover by Ayala Energy to its partner, power partners of U.S. holding company Proverb 16, indirect ownership of GN Power Coswagan in Lanao del Norte. GN Power Coswagan is the operator of the 552-megawatt coal-fired plant expected to be completed by this year. The Ayala Group has been unloading coal assets as it aims to balance its renewable energy portfolio. Michelle Long, ABS-CBN News. Following heated clashes over the proposed tax reform and fiscal incentive rationalization, the Director General of the Philippine Economic Zone Authority changes her tune as she now vows to support the bill. Juan de Guzman tells us more. Philippine Economic Zone Authority Director General Charito Plaza has been a staunch opponent of fiscal incentive rationalization since the Finance Department started pushing for it as part of Tax Reform Package 2, drawing the ire of President Rodrigo Duterte's cabinet including Finance Secretary Carlos Dominguez and Trade Secretary Ramon Lopez. Plaza has changed her tune after a cordial meeting with Trade Secretary Lopez and Finance Undersecretary Antonet Chonko. The best thing that happened today is the, the show of openness by uh, DTI and DOF that uh, we, they are now uh, willing to listen to the side of PESA and our industries. The agreement is that uh, PESA henceforth can, can already um, recommend no, uh, fine-tunings in the, in the provisions of the CITIRA bill. Trade Secretary Ramon Lopez confirmed the meeting as well as ongoing efforts to include provisions in the proposal for a smoother transition. Kami po naniniwala at sa pagkikipag-consultation namin sa kanila, sinabi rin po nila na kung mabay ang transition, I think they can live with that. But as the saying goes, the devil is in the details. Plaza says she will meet with industry leaders on Friday to discuss a new position paper on Cetira. Uh, we expressed our our uh, appeal again that uh, uh, as much as possible we have to respect the grandfather rule and um, allow a at least 10 to 15 years transition um, or retain the the GIE the GIE regime the problem there, the finance department has been hesitant to approve the retention of the GIE as well as a longer transition period as the rationalization of fiscal incentives is meant to offset lost revenues from the lowering of corporate income taxes from 30% to 25 or 20% within the next 5 to 10 years. Finance Secretary Dominguez stressed the importance of balancing revenues recently before prospective investors and industry leaders, noting any failure to offset lost revenues could result in a credit rating downgrade and higher interest rates and borrowing costs for all. 
the semiconductor and electronics industry in the Philippines, or SAPI, along with the Joint Foreign Chambers, the IT and Business Process Association of the Philippines, or IBPAP, the Confederation of Wearables Exporters of the Philippines, or CONWEP, and Philea, or the Philippine Ecozones Association, all stood by Plaza when she pushed for PESA's exemption from CITIRA. SAPI President Dan Lachica says they will remain cautious with CITIRA until they know its final form. But John Forbes of the American Chamber of Commerce strongly welcomes the development, saying they are looking forward to an investor-friendly solution to the Cetira issue. Warren de Guzman, ABS-CBN News. Now, one of Manila's oldest malls shut down by the city government over alleged multiple violations. Among them, lack of lessers permit for its shopping center and business permit for its property management provider. The operator of the mall's four cinemas has also a permit for only one theater. Manila City Mayor Isco Moreno says the mall may resume operations once it complies with requirements. Moreno earlier threatened Isitan with closure if its vendors continue to sell stolen mobile phones. The mall's management says it will abide with the closure of its rectal branch. The Philippine Trade Department ramping up efforts to protect intellectual properties in the Philippines. As Bruce Rodriguez tells us, trade officials are drafting a proposed law that would make shopping platforms liable for the sale of counterfeit items. Judy-Ann Liguan has been buying an international lipstick brand from a Philippine online shopping app for just 55 pesos or over a dollar, a steep discount from its original price of 1,200 pesos or over $24. But these may soon go out of stock as Manila continues to ramp up its clampdown on counterfeit items to address its poor ranking on the protection of intellectual property rights. Philippine Trade Secretary Ramon Lopez says they've already met with lawmakers to sponsor a bill that would make shopping platforms, whether online or offline, liable if any of their sellers are found offering counterfeit items. Ito yung nabigay na kay Congressman Romualdo at uh, uh, sa, sa Senate kay Senator Coco at huli uh, nga maitulak ito para talagang lumakas yung campaign natin against counterfeit. Lalo na sa online, kasi parang kung titignan mo, yung mga online, it's, it's like the malls. Sila yung nagkikerry ng mga sellers. The agency tasked its intellectual property office to craft the proposed measure. Aside from being a campaign to preserve intellectual property rights in the country, Lopez says this is also a program to protect consumers. Una, pag mapoprotect ang manufacturer na hindi sila ko kompetensyay nung gumagaya sa kanila na mas bebenta na mas mura tapos hindi kalidad, madaling masira kasi counterfeit nga. Tapos pangalawa, sa consumers din may safety, consumer protection. So safety factor, uh, hindi, hindi uh, nasisira agad and according to standard, standard compliant. As of July this year alone, government has already seized nearly 14 billion pesos or $270 million of counterfeit goods, bulk of which are cigarettes and alcoholic beverages, pharmaceutical and personal care products, as well as handbags and wallets. E-commerce platforms and even brick-and-mortar shopping centers may face fines or other penalties if their sellers are found offering brand imitations. ABS-CBN News reached out to the Philippine Retailers Association which represents local online and offline players, but it wasn't immediately available for a comment. Bruce Rodriguez, ABS-CBN News.
And before we go, a trio of scientists take the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. The award was given to John B. Goodenough, Stanley Whittingham, and Akira Yoshino for their research in improving battery technology. Whittingham developed the first functional lithium battery in the early 70s, while Goodenough doubled the battery's potential. Yoshino later succeeded in eliminating pure lithium from the battery, making it workable in practice. Lithium-ion batteries have paved the way for portable electronics like mobile phones, pacemakers, and electric cars. The three winners will be sharing the $900,000 prize. A 97-year-old, good enough, is now the oldest person ever to get the Nobel Prize, while Whittingham is the second British-born researcher to win a science Nobel this year. And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANT YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.